Greetings, I'm Alan Argyle, and in this episode of Aprio Voice, I speak to four of my colleagues about the way our clients' expectations have changed, how our services have responded since March and the start of the pandemic lockdown. So with me on the call, I have Nikki, heads up our investor relations offering, Philemon, seasoned media and newsletter specialist, Rio, long background, engaging with the media over many decades, and Esme heads up Aprio Credence, and she'll be chatting to us about crisis and crisis responses. If I could start off with you, Nikki. Now, certainly if we see impact of the pandemic in the States, for example, the markets seem to be up and down. It hasn't just been a bleeding type of scenario. What's been the situation in South Africa? How has it impacted on South African corporates, particularly listed corporates? Well, the impacts have been significant for for South African corporates. What it has underscored is if you haven't had a consistent communication relationship or communication strategy with your shareholders in the good times, it would be relatively tough to rekindle that in a time of crisis. What's been apparent in the South African context is that since COVID or mid-March to now, we've raised 15 billion rand on the JSC, which means that corporates have gone to the shareholders to shore up their balance sheets which then again underscores the necessity and the, the imperative of having a good communication strategy with investors and shareholders, because you never know when you're going to need them. What this has also shown is that in a time of crisis, where things appeared expensive historically, they're now at good value. So we have seen some corporates come to the market with acquisition strategies as other businesses have found it difficult to navigate the crisis. We could no doubt spend a day on it, but just in terms of some of the the key areas, how has investor relations as a practice changed within this context of the pandemic? The primary change is uh, the collaboration with other communication strategies within corporates. So a closer collaboration with corporate affairs, media liaisons within companies, as well as HR, because whatever is said to investors is being closely scrutinized by other stakeholders in corporates. So it's important to ensure that messages are consistent, that management teams are transparent, whether they're talking to internal stakeholders or external stakeholders. So a much closer working ethic with other communication professionals within corporates. The listed corporates still have to report. That's obviously profoundly changed in the last 100 plus days where people are doing so much more remotely. A lot more video presentations, a lot more remote presentations coming through. Talk to us about the pros and cons of that kind of an approach. I think the pros is that it's a lot more efficient and a lot more cost effective. Some of the cons, though, is there's nothing like face-to-face engagement. So there is the hurdle that you have to navigate about how you read an audience, picking up on the vibe or uh, the atmosphere within a room. I think that's difficult to gauge from an, a virtual or an online presentation. Some CEOs have found it very difficult where they're just talking into a screen. Again, they can't gauge the atmosphere or the sentiment among the audiences. Also, when you have the one-on-one meetings on a virtual platform, You know, there's a lot of people on the call. They find it difficult to pose their questions. Uh, Management teams would have elaborated a little bit more in answering questions. Some feel that they can't ask the question because you have a a number of people talking over each other. So you do lose a certain nuance um, that is important to remember when things, a semblance of normality returns, that that one-on-one cannot easily be replicated on a virtual platform. While we are still doing those remote type of presentations, would you advise, no matter how experienced the CEO, CFO are, 
that they perhaps just do a little bit of uh, presentation training using these remote platforms, uh, get comfortable, get familiar with them? Is there room for that? Definitely. I would support that wholeheartedly because to my point that a lot of CEOs are now presenting into a screen, they can't see the audience. It can be unnerving if you haven't rehearsed and haven't had a couple of dry runs before. Philemon, we, we've been talking high-tech, high-technology with Nikki. Newsletters, often viewed as old-school response. The world of newsletters has evolved profoundly in the last few years. What are you seeing in the last, once again, 100-plus days of pandemic lockdown around newsletters as a sort of renewed vehicle for communication with, with stakeholders? Uh, there's a lot of uncertainty in the world due to the COVID-19 pandemic and everyone is being bombarded with information at work and at home. So I think printed internal publications go the extra mile, symbolizing a brand of professionalism and commitment to employees. And in terms of digital versus print newsletters, we've seen a big takeoff in digital media in markets where there are still constraints you know access to online platforms is that where we can still see a big role for printed media going forward yes 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 i agree with you on that uh, alan i think the challenge uh, becomes finding a balance in using a print and digital communication based on the agency of the information to be distributed ria decades working with south african newsrooms i think it's common cause They've been hemorrhaging staff in the last couple of months of the pandemic as people aren't consuming traditional media in the country and I suppose around the world. We've seen lots and lots of retrenchments. One of the outcomes is juniorization in the newsroom. What is that and why does it impact on corporate clients? The most uh, impact we've seen from juniorization of newsrooms is the quality of reporting and the fact that most uh, most of the journalists now cover more than one bit, and so they're a bit stretched on the ground, and it impacts how the stories are told. So our responsibility is to make sure that we package stories for, for journalists in such a way that it makes it easy for them to, to understand, and we, we get close to them in order to understand what their needs are and, and help them out as much as possible. And there might just be other methods that we could use, perhaps using infographics, instead of just writing stories in order to make them understand the kind of industries we represent. Certainly newsrooms having to do a lot more with a lot less resources. Are we almost seeing the death of traditional media? Will corporates looking to communicate, getting their story out? Do we need to look at alternative content forms? Or is there still a place for traditional media in South Africa? We're not seeing the the death of traditional media as, as we know it, but more and more, We're going to see less titles. I mean, there's been a report in the last week or so with the closure of a number of consumer magazines and some of the other titles, very, very popular titles going online. So we're going to see more and more publications going online. The the challenge here is whether these publications will continue to attract first uh, advertising and then secondly, uh, maintain the readership that they've always had. We see portals such as News24, which is clearly a, a primary source of news for many South Africans, announcing that they're going to go to some form of subscription service, pay to view, basically. How, how do you think South Africans will respond to that kind of paywall? Will they, will they support it? Will they go elsewhere for their news? 
and presumably other news portals will have to follow suit if if News24 takes off. It has been a challenge in this country, as you know, that it's been a few years that several publications have tried to, to get readers to pay for paywalls. It's been a slow process. And some publications have tried to look at, uh, for instance, the New York Times and the Financial Times in, in the UK in terms of their successes in making making uh, stories and, and journalism available through paywalls instead of the, the printed copy. So it's going to be a bit of a challenge, but I think it's something that that's, it's, got, it's got to be done. And my, my view is that more and more we'll, we'll access our news through paywalls and, and through our phones instead of uh, having to go to the corner store and getting a printed copy of a publication. The one thing I'll add as well is that in terms of, of what we need to provide to journalists is that, is that we need to follow what, what was uh, initially highlighted at the World Economic Forum in Davos in January in terms of the call from leaders who were at Davos to, to say that the business world needs to come to the party in terms of bridging the divide in terms of inequality in the world, that businesses cannot shy away from taking some kind of responsibility in making sure that there is more equality, that there's a sense of more inclusiveness in terms of communities that, that have been left behind. And we should as well try to encourage our clients in bridging the divide in terms of inequality in helping communities access information and tools, I think it's quite important that we, we need to help companies take that message through to stakeholders. Ismay, before COVID, corporates certainly experienced diverse and multiple crises. There seems to be largely one story in the room at the moment, and that's clearly around the tragic health and economic impacts of COVID. In terms of crisis responses from companies to the pandemic, how do you think they fared in South Africa? Have there been suitably prepared and have they responded appropriately to whether it's infections, whether it's around their people side, job continuity, or heaven forbid, fatalities within their companies? What we were seeing at Aprio Credence is that there were really three categories of clients. The one was those that were left reeling, um, completely knocked off their feet when the lockdown was announced. Um, They weren't prepared, adequately prepared to deal with any parts of the crisis. Then there were those that arguably handled the crisis very, very well. They had the processes, the policies, the training, the tools in place to do it. And then there's that third category who at their own admission could have done better and wanted to do better. And those are the people we're starting to speak to around now investing the time in preparing for a crisis. Because as you well know, while COVID-19 was happening, all the other kinds of crisis like cyber, like sexual harassment, racism, executive misconduct, none of those things stopped. And what we are seeing is that visionary clients and leaders are starting to have a deeper appreciation for the value of crisis communications and investing resources and skills and tools and training within their infrastructure and protocols. When the tide went out with COVID-19, you did see who was swimming naked. So people are starting realizing that they need to invest time in preparing for crisis, which has been very positive. You've referenced some of those tools. Just unpack them a little bit more in depth in terms of what you can practically do to build resilience and prepare for that breaking storm. So at Aprio Credence, our um, methodology, um, we've termed armor, and that's a, a series of six pillars which prepare you for crisis um, leadership and reputation resilience. 
So you would start off with a vulnerability and reputation threat assessment. We'll look across the organization, look at your uh, risk practices, your risk register, your communication protocols and tools, and see where there are vulnerabilities. And that's a good place to start. You would also then do an audit of all of the processes you have in place so that you cannot start identifying gaps and opportunities for improvement. Then what we have been doing a lot of, as you know, are a series of masterclass training and skills development. Leaders, section heads, divisional managers um, now starting to invest in their ability to communicate, particularly remotely, where they don't have the benefit of speaking to staff face to face. They're investing in their own skill sets to be able to to be better communicators on digital channels and on the infrastructure in-house to do that. We've also been doing quite a bit of work around stress testing and and crisis simulation with with companies. So what that is, is a series we work, go into a client um, and we work with them on presenting a series of scenarios, crisis, uh, potential crisis scenarios to stress test their reputation, risk management, decision making and capabilities with these various scenarios. I've mentioned some of them before. They could be crisis, they could be executive misconduct. They could be governance irregularities. So people are starting to to see the value of stress testing and building their muscle when it comes to crisis communication leadership. And that kind of process, Esme, can it happen elegantly and smoothly online and via one of the video conference platforms? Yes. So we've been quite pleased because we're wondering about how you replicate what happens, like Nikki said, in the investor relations world, how you read the room. But we've seen quite successfully with the right tools, with the right digital tools, we have been able to transition our crisis simulation offering very successfully online. There are certain things like breakaway rooms that you can replicate online as well with the right tools. And it's getting better and better with every simulation that we do. There we have it. Just some insights around building, sustaining, defending reputations, whether it be with investors, whether it be with employees, whether it be with the media and general stakeholders out there. Thanks for joining and sharing your insights with us. Thanks for the opportunity. Thank you so much. Bye, everyone. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Aprio Voice, a podcast from the reputation, management and strategic communications professionals at the Aprio Group. If you would like to find out more about the work we do, visit aprio.co.za. been listening to another episode from the Solid Gold Podcast Studios.